This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I know when I was on my knees this morning praying over the service, praying over life, I was thanking the Lord for using me more and more and more and more to help people receive eternal life. You know, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, the Lord had me say something about the fear of the Lord a little bit ago. God's the one that told men what to write in the Bible. And I know that when I, when I went to uh, Bible school way back in the early 1980s, one of my Bible school teachers was named Dr. Lester Summerall. Anybody ever hear of him? As a matter of fact, I used to be an associate pastor in one of his TV stations back in Indiana. We had a church at his TV station. I was an associate pastor there. And we, uh, we, we lived real close to the Summerall place up there. Went to, we used to go up to his church a lot of times. And, uh, anyway, at that point in time, he was one of the, probably one of the top ministers in the world in the area of demon, demonology. Had a couple of Bible school classes about casting out demons, a lot of stuff in that area there. And Dr. Summerall pointed out a lot of times that, that, that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven because people need to know about it. And I think about the fear of God, that people, if they had a fear of the Lord, really knowing, I'm talking about Christians, that eternity was really real. And, you know, it's, it's a human thing to always want to believe that everybody's going to heaven. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, the way that leads to destruction is broad. That's a lot of people on that road. He said, the way that leads to eternal life is narrow. And few there be that find it. And I know as a minister, one of the worst things, one of my worst things to ever do as a minister is do a funeral service for somebody that I'm 99% sure went to hell. And you know how you tell? Jesus said you judge people by their actions. We judge actions. And so if there's a person that curses God every day of their life, that never lives like the Bible says to live, that does wrong things, that takes their last breath, cursing, swearing, not forgiving people, things like that, that according to the Bible, there's a really good chance they didn't go to heaven. And so as a minister, when you're sitting there, standing there in front of a casket, and there's family out there crying, that you want to say good things and you always say good things. But in your heart, you know that that person probably didn't go to heaven and probably not going to see him again. And so when I was praying this morning, I was thinking about what the Lord told me back in November of 1993 when I was a baby pastor. I'd only been pastoring for uh, about a year. And he told me that there's two things he judged me on for being a pastor. He said, the number one thing I'll judge you for is are you winning souls? Are people getting born again in your church? Are they hearing about Jesus and eternal life? He died for their sins. They need to receive him and go to heaven. And then he said, number two, I'll judge you, are you making disciples out of them? Are people staying saved in your church? Are you teaching the word of God where people know what to do to say no to sin and less yes to living right? And so I remember that this morning and I just, this morning I did what I do so many times. I said, Lord, I want to change. I want to do better. Use me to say things in the right way that people know exactly what it is you're saying to them so they can be saved. So I'll be able to convey exactly what you've got me teaching so they understand how to do it. 
And so I'm just telling you, it's the time. It always is the time. But there's ever a time that unsaved people. That people that used to be saved need to look at your life. They need to see Jesus. And I like what Dr. Barclay says so many times that there's so many Christians that they, they, they bad like a sheep, but live like the devil. If we're Christians, we should have Christian fruit. You know, uh, Dr. Barclay talks a lot. That's, that's my pastor will be here in a couple of weeks. He talks a lot about Christians that have been deceived in the last days that thinks, well, we got to live like the world so they hear our message. No, the world already has that message every day. They don't need to see you drinking and cussing and fornicating and doing those things. They need to see you talking right, living right, behaving right. Because the Bible tells us that our righteous living convicts the sinner of his sin. And so I know that when I was a truck driver, I was a truck driver for a lot of years. When I was a Christian truck driver, you would not believe the amount of truck drivers I led to the Lord. Because they saw how I lived, they came to me. I'm not bragging on me. All I did is what Christians are supposed to do. I came to church. I heard my pastor teach the Bible. I checked it out in the Bible. I found out it was in the Bible. I said, okay, I'm going to live that way. And so there's a lot of things I started seeing I used to live like before I was a Christian. Because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a sinner home. And so all I knew was how to act like my unsaved parents. They were good people. But they didn't know Jesus. So they didn't know how to live right. And so what I that way for years, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's so all I have was negative, bad things happening in my life. It says the gift of God's eternal life, that Jesus wants to enjoy life abundantly on earth. And so I started getting different things in my life happening, good things. So when people saw that, they'd ask me to pray for them. I'd pray for them, I'd invite them to church, et cetera, et cetera. But they got convicted because the way I was living, the way I was acting was different. And so I'm saying right now for where we are, if there's ever a time your unsaved friends and family needs to see something different, it's now. And, you know, I think about the name of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. How many here have the Holy Spirit living in you? Well, the Holy Spirit empowers you to live holy. And the, the simple definition of the word holy means without sin. In First Peter chapter 1, Peter, quoting from the book of Exodus, said, God said, be ye holy, for I am holy. And so we know that Jesus lived without sin. And we know, really, it's impossible for us to live without sin. But we can strive every day to live more and more free from sins that used to have us. We can make progress every day to get better and better. And uh, has anybody ever seen in, in a track meet? Uh, high jumping, where they raise the bar, you clear that bar, then the bar goes up and you clear it again. Well, see, we're never, ever, ever going to get to that place where we've cleared it all. Because every time, every time we come up a level, God's going to raise the standard. We're going to come up again. They glory to God, I've arrived. And then all of a sudden, more of the Bible comes real to you. You say, oh, whoa, standard just got raised. And so all of our time on earth, we're going to keep on learning more if we want to and growing more. To be more where God wants us to be. And so that's what we're here today for. We're here to change. And I pray that things I've said already, with the anointing of God on them, did something to light something in your heart for your conscience to want to live better. Amen? Heaven's real. Hell's just as real. 
and turned these for a long time. I saw I saw a story come across the thing the other day, said the oldest person of the world just died, a woman, I didn't see where she was, I didn't read the story, 117 years old, she just died. Well, you compare 117 to eternity, look at the Pacific Ocean, look at the Atlantic Ocean, look at all the oceans, and take one drop of water. One drop of water from the oceans of the world is what it would be like. It would be like to compare a 117-year-old lifespan to eternity. Ever and ever and ever and ever is how long eternity is. And people go to heaven and live there forever. But the sad thing is, like in Luke chapter 16, Jesus told a story about a man named Lazarus, who was a beggar, and a rich man that had a lot of money. And Lazarus went to heaven because he lived for God. And the rich man went to hell. And that story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16, that man in hell said, let, let Lazarus come and dip his finger in a glass of water and touch my tongue. Said, I'm burning. I gotta have some relief. You know what? That same rich man is still there. He hasn't got relief 2,000 years later from when Jesus told that story. And so that's what we gotta get serious about, a fear of God. It's not being afraid of God, but it's respecting God. And don't want to do things that hurt God. And we find out they do. We've got to change and say, Lord, I don't want to do that again. I want to make you happy with me. Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Uh, does anybody need a sermon outline? If you do, hold up your hand. Got the ushers ringing the sermon outlines. Amen. You're getting your sermon outlines. And also, in conjunction today, we're going to be teaching how to overcome any impossibility. How to overcome any impossibility. I want to show you three books I got out of the bookstore to... That's kind of in line with what we're teaching today. And all these books have been part of my library for a lot of years. And uh, remember the bookstore, we, we did this. Number one, we want to help you to be able to get more books to help you grow and keep them and give away, help people with. But then also, as we deplenish what we got, we're going to get a bunch of new ones in again and keep things pumped like that. And I was telling Mrs. Pastor that for people like to give away gifts for Christmas sometimes, this is a good time to buy these. And then give them to people for Christmas even. It'll help them. But uh, I'm going to be teaching today about a lady. And this whole book's about her. Jesus gave Brother Hagin a sermon, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. And what I'm teaching today, a lot of the principles are in this little book right here. And then what to do when faith seems weak at victory lost. What to do when faith seems weak at victory lost. You can be a strong Christian, but you might have a season of your life where you really got hit and you're struggling and you already know, you know a lot of Bible. You know how much you love Jesus, but it just seems like it's not working. It's not working. Well, this book here is kind of a refresher course of basic Christian things to check out so you can get plugged back in and be able to win in life. And then this here's my brother Copeland. And one of those books Mrs. Pastor was talking about the first year he came out this. I bought this book at one of his conventions, I think. Not this book, but the same title called The Force of Faith. The Force of Faith. When you're walking in the God kind of faith, your faith will move mountains in your life. But those books are back there. Don't forget, you buy one and you get another one of the same price or lesser for half off. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout again. Let's get this thing going. All right. Open up your Bible to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to be reading verse 25 to 34. 
But you know, something else I've got that I, I, that I want to do that I haven't done for a while that I think sometimes helps us so we know what we got. Hold up your Bible. Or whatever you're using for a Bible. You know, your, your different devices you use. But anyway, say this, say, this is my Bible. This is God's holy written word. This is God, my loving father, talking to me. I am who he says I am. I can have everything that he says I can have. And I can do everything. Absolutely everything that my father says I can do. I believe that. I receive that. And I will win in everything that attacks me in life. Amen. 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 And so, Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read through this, and then I'm going to go through it, explain it to you. But Mark chapter 5, beginning of verse 25, <clears throat> says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, had suffered many things of many positions, as but all that she had was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press or the crowd behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague or that disease. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue or anointing had gone out of him, turned him about in the press of the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? As disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and behold thy plague. And so, last week, I talked about three things that Jesus looks at in the life of a believer. Your heart, your words, and your actions. Your heart, your words, and your actions. And uh, that's, of course, that sermon's online. If you want to hear that online, you can go to hdwc.org and look at sermons. Uh, you can hear last week's sermon. And I think there's still have outlines out there if you need to get an, get an outline and look at it. But anyway, we talked about that, about the conscience and your heart more than anything last week. But this week, we're going to look at a woman who did these things, heart, words, and actions. She got those lined up with the Word of God as she received her miracle from Jesus. She received her miracle for Jesus. We as believers need to start learning how to actually receive answered prayer for ourselves and for our families. And the Bible is absolutely the Word of God. The Bible will work in our lives if we cooperate with the Bible, if we do what the Bible says to do. So I will look at verse 25 and 26 now, and I'll come through here and I'll explain this to you. And uh, last week in my sermon, I started off looking at some scriptures where it said that Jesus preached and he taught. There's a difference between preaching and teaching. I'm getting ready to teach. To preach means to proclaim. 
sinners need to have the good news. The gospel is called good news. They need to have the gospel proclaimed. That means preached to them, told to them, shared with them. Any one of you sitting in here that's a born-again Christian, you can preach to sinners. You can proclaim the good news that Jesus died for your sins. You don't have to live where you're living anymore. Jesus gets you out of that mess. That's proclaiming. But this says Jesus preached and he taught. But then teaching then explains what the Bible says. And so I'm going to talk today and explain from the Bible what the Bible says, how to have right words, how to have right actions. Last week, we explained how to have a clean conscience. And basically, of the conscious factor is this. When you're born again Christian, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And so a person that has received Jesus yet does not have eternal life in their heart. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And so their so their conscience will permit them to lie. No problem, no guilt, because they don't no conviction. There's no Holy Spirit in there. So they can lie, they can steal, they can do anything. That violates the Ten Commandments because they have no conscience that's alive to God. But when you're born again Christian, your conscience will talk to you. Amen. You start to tell a lie. If you'll keep yourself a tender conscience, you'll stop and say, whoa, I can't do that. You start to cheat somebody, your conscience will convict you where you don't want to cheat them. You'll want to do right with them. Your conscience will convict you if you go to gossip about people and badmouth them then where, whoa. I can't do that. I can't talk about them. I need to pray for them. And then if you do uh, lose your lose your uh, temper with a fellow believer or somebody else, then you're going to be convicted. Thought, well, that's not the love of God. I shouldn't have done that. Even if somebody was shouting at you, then you go, well, wait a minute. Would you please forgive me? I shouldn't have done that. That's not what Christ would do. And so your conscience, if you pray for a tender conscience, God will give you a tender conscience. That will help you there. But this week, we're going to actually look at the word factor, how to how to speak right, and then how to act on the word of God, because Jesus looks at your heart, your words, and your actions. And so it says here that a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. So this lady had a very serious female problem, and uh, I've got a wife, and I've got three daughters, and I've got daughter-in-laws, and I know that to that area of life for a woman is really a serious area. They start having trouble. It's, it's not good. It's uncomfortable, unpleasant. And this says this woman had this problem for 12 years. And so she had the problem for a long time. Has anybody ever had a problem plaguing your life, financial, uh, marital, whatever area of life where it's bothered you a long, 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 long time? You thought, man, I wish this was over. I wish this was over. It says this woman went from doctor to doctor, doctor to doctor, and says she didn't get better, but she only got worse. And so this woman... Did all she could do in the natural to get help. Everybody tell her about another doctor. She'd go to another doctor. She used all of her money and everything she knew to do. And all she did is got worse. And, you know, I just want to point out that even today, when you look at the medical profession, what does it say about doctors on their driver, on their doc, doctor's license? It says license to practice. <laughs> doctors aren't perfect. And I want to say... Uh, bonafide, real doctors, whether they're Christians or not, they're doing what they want to do because they want to help you. They're not out there trying to hurt you, most of them. They're out there, I mean, none of them want to hurt you. Some of them, 
in it for money things, but today's times it's kind of hard for doctors to make a lot of money anymore the way things are. But the thing is what I'm saying this. You can never be down on doctors if they're not able to really help you like you want help because they don't know it all. Only one person knows what's really wrong for you. That's Jesus. Amen. And so this woman, she went from doctor to doctor and she went broke. No more money. And so she did all she could up for with her uh, problem, try to get help, but she never got it. But I want you to notice some things here now that we're going to see that's going to help you to overcome any problem in your life. And I want to say this. We're going to be teaching on the principles of faith here, but the same faith that will get you healed is the same faith that will get you delivered. The same faith that will put money in your banking account. It's the same faith that will restore your family. It's the same faith that will get your loved ones delivered. It's the same faith that will get you a better job. It's the same faith that will get you promoted. It's the same faith that will do anything the Bible says the Bible will do, it will do for you. And so this lady with all these problems here went from everywhere that you do. And so uh, I want you to think about whatever, if you're having really problems in life right now, whatever it is that you've tried to get answers for for years. Or if you know somebody that's been going through a struggle for a long, long time, they love God, but they haven't got the answers yet. Well, just be thinking about these as, as we look at this sermon here. But I want you to notice that verse 30 and 31, as, as we continue what we're looking at before we get this next little thing here. It says, Jesus, immediately anointed himself virtual out of him, turned in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? As his disciples said, You see the multitude, and you say, Who touched me? And so I want to say this to you. All those people in that large crowd there were around Jesus. Lots of them were touched him because he was in the crowd and they knew he was the man they wanted to get a hold of. But only one person got his attention. One person got results. One person got the answer. And you notice the last verse says, your faith. Okay, today, there's a lot of believers crying out to God. There's a lot of voices going up to heaven. But not everybody's getting answers. Jesus said, your faith got my attention. Your faith changed things. And so today, you know, I think about I can't help but think about the Internet. Most believers today do what this lady did back then if she'd had the Internet. Most believers today, if they get some serious disease in their life, first thing they do instead of Jesus, Mr. Google. And so they get all the negative stuff. And then the next thing they do is social media. And all the people on social media will tell them how to lose. Google will tell them all kinds of things, but Google won't give them faith. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so, and so for this woman, Jesus said, somebody didn't just touch me. Somebody touched me with faith. And so that's what we want to look at today is how to overcome any impossibility with your faith. And I want to say this. You need, you need to be aware of this realm that you can't see into unless you're seeing by faith. Write these verses down. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, 
and to destroy. The thief, that's the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. The Holy Spirit through Paul said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. And so there's Holy Spirit, angels of God, God and Jesus in the spiritual realm, but also there's Satan, the devil, and demon spirits. And because as believers we know that we're dealing with unseen forces in spiritual warfare, warfare, we can't ignore things and just hope things will get better. I'm going to say that again. In the crisis of life, when you know that there's another thing in this spiritual realm besides Jesus, you can't just ignore things. Hope they'll get better. The devil has a goal. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your physical health, in your marriage, in the lives of your children, on your job, in your finances. And so too many Christians just ignore things like the world does and think they have to put up with what's out there that maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll get better. And so I always like to say this. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. You can't live in denial when you're under demonic assault. And by the way, all sickness and disease doesn't come from a demon spirit on your body, but the devil's behind what brought it. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve gave in to the devil and allowed him to come into the earth, then the fall of man began. And when the fall of man started, did sickness and disease come into the earth? God had it made perfect. God had the earth created, human beings created, never to be sick or have disease. But that Adam and Eve opened the door for the devil to come in. And so one, one way or another, behind your sickness is the devil. Either through natural processes that was opened up through Adam and Eve or through actual demonic presence. And so we cannot deny when we're attacked, whether it's somebody under addiction, whether it's your finances. If you're a Christian and you're a serious Christian, you give 10% to God, the devil hates for you to have money. But if you're not a Christian and you use your money to promote sin and things that are anti-God, then the devil's not going to touch your money at all. Matter of fact, the devil is going to influence other people to give you more money so you can more promote his kingdom. And so I just want to say this, Christians, wake up. When you're a, when you're a serious Christian that's a tither wanting to put God first and your money's under attack, God wants your money to be freed up to lose for his, to use for his kingdom, or you have to use your faith and tell the devil keep his hands off your money and use faith principles to keep that money coming because God wants you blessed. Amen. You can't ignore things. That, that's the point that God's wanting to get across. You can't just ignore things and just hope something good's going to happen. You have to do some things. And so that's what we're going to look at. And so we, we've got to know how to get the unseen Jesus that we can't see, the unseen God that we can't see, to do miracles in our lives. You can't see the demons, and you can't see Jesus either. You, but by faith, you know he's there. And so the same Jesus, you know, I, I want to tell you something you, to think about. No matter who you are or where you're at at the time, you might be in the middle of some kind of a big gang war with shooting, killing it all around you. And when you look up to heaven and you say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Savior, the devil cannot stop Jesus in the midst of the greatest disaster you've ever been in for doing a miracle in your heart.
And so if Jesus can save you in the middle of a really, really, really dangerous situation in life, the same Jesus that can move there will move any place in life for you now. How much more so if Jesus can give eternal life to a sinner in the midst of a really bad place, how much more can he give a miracle to a Christian sitting in a church service? Amen. The difference is when you're sitting in a place like this and you hear the word of God, you've got to put something with that besides just hearing. You've got to get some of your faith mixed in with it to receive what God has. Amen. Amen. And so, verse 34, he said, her faith made her whole. And so, the language of action, of the action of faith, will get Jesus' attention every time. And so, if this woman's faith could get her healed from a disease she suffered for 12 years, then your faith in Jesus can overcome any impossibility. Your faith in Jesus can overcome any impossibility. I just want to quote your verse in Mark 9:23, Jesus said, "All things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible. All things are possible to him that believeth." And I wrote a note in my Bible years ago. I heard off Brother Hagin, and what Jesus is saying is this: it's a, Now listen to this. You probably want to write this down. It's not a matter of what Jesus can do. It's a matter of what you believe He will do. For you. I want to say that again. We all know Jesus can do anything. Right? God can do anything. But he said it takes the believer to get a hold of it. And so it's not a matter of what Jesus can do. It's a matter of what you believe he will do for you. For you personally. Amen. We know he heals. We know he blesses. Everything that... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John says Jesus did, he'll do today. But do you believe he'll do it for you today? And so that's what we're going to talk about, how to get a hold of that to see the impossible done in your life. So your faith in Jesus will overcome any impossibility. And so, first of all, I think we need to know what is faith. And we're not talking about this thing that the world has. Well, you can do anything you set your mind you can do. I've seen a lot of people set their mind to the fact cancer wasn't going to kill them, but it did. I've seen a lot of people set their mind that whatever they were facing addiction wasn't going to overcome them, but it did. So it's more than having a positive attitude. Because if we're dealing with supernatural forces for the spiritual arena, then positive thinking won't deal with them. It's the Word of God and faith in Jesus that takes care of things. And so what is faith? And so I'm going to quote a couple of translations of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You don't have to turn there because you don't have these translations. But in the King James, Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's hard for me to understand. But the Moffat's translation says this. Faith is being confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. The Amplified Bible in that same verse says, faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And let, let me help you with another thing, too. Now, you notice it, got, it talks about hope there, that verse. It says it's the confidence of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Well, hope, and this is, this is a place that some of you need to make an adjustment in. Hope is always 
future tense. Hope never recedes from God. Faith, it says now faith is. Faith is now. Faith says I've got it now. Hope says, well, I'm hoping that the next time I see the doctor, they're going to say something better. Faith says, well, the next time I see the doctor, they're going to say it's gone. Faith says, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Faith says, hands have been laid on me in the name of Jesus, and I'm getting better minute by minute. Every day I'm getting better and better. Hope says, well, I hope I get better. Faith says, everything's changed, man. It's turned around. Before they've seen it, and I like to say this a lot of times, Perceive it as real facts, what's not revealed to the senses. Here's what I say a lot of times is this. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. Boy, the last seven months, if I was, you guys would have had a service to me already. It wouldn't be me preaching it. I've been laying there <laughs> like that. But uh, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. I live by faith in the Word of God. The Word of God says I'm healed. So I am. The Word of God says my needs are met. So they are. The Word of God says my family serve God. So they do. The Word of God says my brother's delivered. He is. And so faith believes what God said is true and it's mine today. Right now, it belongs to me. Faith says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I laugh. If I don't feel like laughing. Amen. That's Bible. And so, see, I want you to see that because Jesus said, lady, your faith made you whole. And so Jesus wasn't talking about human faith in natural things. Jesus was talking about faith in God, faith in the word of God. He said, faith in God believes I've got it before I see it. Hope says I'll have it. Faith says I've got it. And so some of you make a little bit of adjustment in your life. Quit hoping and praying. Start praying in faith. When you pray, pray in faith, when you get done, you say, Amen, I've got it. Thank you, Jesus. And from that moment on, when you think about it, you say, Lord, I want to thank you that when I prayed your word over this situation, here's what you said was mine. So I want to thank you, Lord, that I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what they're telling me. The word says I have it, so I do. I pray for it, and I want to thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord. I've got it. As you get the next day, your eyes still don't see it happen yet. You get up and you praise the Lord and say, Lord, I want to thank you I've got it because your word says I do. Amen? Amen. So that's perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That's kind of how it works. And so this woman had that kind of faith because Jesus said, he said, lady, said your faith made you whole. And so I want to say this. God is no respecter of persons. How many know the Bible says that? He's no respecter of persons, but obviously he is a respecter of faith. He is a respecter of faith. And so, how can you get Bible faith? Well, I want you to look back at Mark chapter 5 again, verse 27. It said, when she had heard of Jesus, she heard of Jesus. And that's what you fill in the blanks, by the way, the heard part. She heard of Jesus. And so this woman quit listening to people's good ideas and negative talking. You need to shut off Google and social media, and open up your Bible. I want to say that again. 
15 years ago, I couldn't have said that because they didn't have those things out there to distract you. But now Google's tried to take the place of God if you want to know the truth about it. People used to go to, go, go, go to God to get answers. Now they go to Google. And Google gives them natural answers, but not spiritual answers. The only spiritual answers you're going to get, which is where your help comes from, is from the Bible. And so you need to open up your Bible, come to more services to hear the Bible taught. And so this lady then, she changed her source of information to listening to Jesus, to where she started listening to Jesus. And she heard of Jesus. You need to change your source. And, you know, we hear a saying a lot anymore. Uh, a lot of times you hear people say, well, yeah, that's working real good for you, isn't it? And so whatever you're facing in life right now, just stop and think. This woman went from doctor to doctor. And like I said, again, we're not knocking doctors. They did the best they could do. But says she kept getting worse. Let me ask you this. When you're going from negative friend to negative friend to social media to social media, is your problem getting better or worse? Are you getting more faith or less faith by going to Google? When you go to those negative friends that aren't winning in life anyway, are you getting faith or fear? This woman... She finally got fed up. And then it says she changed what she's listening to. Obviously, Jesus was all in her realm of influence all the time. We heard about all the miracles going on, all the people getting helped in life. So finally, one thought, wait a minute. I've ignored Jesus. I went everywhere else. I'm going to stop. I'm getting in that crowd over there where Jesus is at. Is this helping anybody? Amen. If you don't have any problems, that's okay. But if you have problems, you need to hear this. And so it says... She heard of Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 10. And, of course, keep your place marked because we're going to keep on coming back looking at her life. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Pastor Dave will have this on the Internet this week, probably, probably about Monday or Tuesday. This will be on there where you can hear it. But uh, take good notes, but you need to hear this again and again till you get it. And so Romans 10, 17 says in faith cometh by social media. Faith cometh by listening to unsaved people. Faith cometh by Google. It say faith cometh by what? Well this woman it says that she heard of Jesus. And so hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Now listen, and you know if if you're halfway religious I'm going to step on your toes right now. And this is going to sound kind of contrary to what you think. But that's why Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to the world, but renew your mind to think like God thinks. And so faith doesn't come by trials and tribulation. Or guess what? We'd all be spiritual giants. Who hasn't had a serious trial in their life? Who hasn't had serious problems, mountain-moving problems? And you know, those trials and tribulations, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They weren't sent by God. The thief did that. And the only people that get stronger through a trial, I'm going to say this again, because I see too many Christians put on Facebook goofy stuff like, trials make your faith grow. No, the only way your faith will grow through a trial is you dig into the Word of God and find out what the answer is to the Word of God to overcome the trial. I've, gro- I've grown through every trial I've hit my life, but it's not because of the trial. It's because I thought, man, I know the Word of God works. And I'd dig into the Bible. I'd get faith books. I'd listen to faith sermons. I'd I'd sit in faith services. I'd get my faith built up by hearing the Word of God to overcome and come against what was coming against me. 
And so because I got more of God's word in my heart, in my mind, and in my mouth, I got stronger. Wasn't from the trial. The trial would have killed me. How do I know that? I've seen too many believers go under because they didn't do what I did, get in the word. So faith doesn't come by, by trials. Trials come from the devil. And faith doesn't come by praying. We should pray. But you can't pray in faith unless you're praying the word. The faith behind your prayers to be effective comes to the word of God that's in your heart and in your prayers. Amen. And faith doesn't come by testimonies. Testimonies encourage you. Testimonies help you. They're totally Bible. Faith doesn't come by praising. Praising brings the presence of God into your life. Presence, pra- praising stirs up your spirit to be more sensitive to God. But then that's when the faith that's in your heart, the word of God needs to be released, start coming out of your mouth. Faith doesn't come. Now, here's what I've seen too many Christians do. Faith doesn't come by trying to make God feel guilty. I've heard Christians pray, God, don't you care? God, look what's happening. Don't you care? God says, yes, I care, son. Yes, I care, daughter. But go back and look at the woman had that issue of blood. I cared, but I couldn't do anything until she reached out to me with faith. And so all these different things I'm telling you right now to help you as we're talking about faith. Faith only comes one way. If you're a person that ignores your Bible, if you're a person that's a tag-along, well, what's a tag-along? Well, a tag-along is kind of like a vagabond in Acts chapter 19. A tag-along is somebody that comes to church services on occasion. That sometimes they show up, most of the time they don't. They're just kind of tagging along with the crowd. Whichever way their crowd's going today is the way they go. In other words, they go with the crowd not what they know is right in their heart to do. And so if you're a person that's not really hooked up, then your faith is not hooked up. Amen. So then when problems come, you're going to blame God. You're going to say, God, how come, how come, how come? Jesus talked about, in the Bible, two types of people that pray. In the book of Matthew, he talked about one person come and said, God, I pay tithes of everything. I pray Three times a day, every day. I give money to help the poor. And so therefore, because of what I've done, you've got to answer my prayers. And then beside him says there was another guy that was a sinner. Said he come to God and he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner and I know I don't deserve anything. And Jesus said, that religious guy will get no prayers answered. He said, other man, because he came to me humbling himself, he's going to get some prayers answered. And so we have to know that we don't want to be a religious prayer and tell God what he has to do for us, try to make him feel guilty. We come to him and say, Lord, we know that if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd get nothing. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you not based upon how good I am, but how good Jesus is, what he's done for me. I come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so that that's the kind of faith that's going to get prayers answered. And so he said in Romans 10, 17, that kind of faith comes by hearing the word of God. So you must so you must hear what the Bible says about your situation, about your problem. Bible faith only comes one way. Faith to be saved, to get born again, comes by hearing from the Bible about how to get born again. Faith in finances comes by hearing what the Bible says about money, about tithing, about issues like that. 
faith for forgiveness and restoration in a family comes by hearing what the Bible says about love and forgiveness and going the extra mile, what the Bible says. And so you've got to hear what the Bible says and then sit under a God-called and gifted pastor so they explain the Bible to you. Jeremiah 3.15, God says, I put my heart in pastors to feed you of knowledge and understanding. So you've got to get to the right place to hear. Now back to uh, Mark chapter 5. Back to Mark chapter 5, verse 28. It says, For she said, she heard, and then she said. And so the Amplified Bible says, she kept saying, she kept saying. And so you must speak your faith. You must speak your faith. And many times in the Gospels, when Jesus was on the scene to heal somebody. I think about a man named Blind Bartimaeus that Pastor Dave teaches about, what seems like one of his favorite guys teach about. But Jesus asked Bartimaeus, he's a blind man. He was a beggar sitting on the street, begging people for money to live by. As here's a blind man comes to Jesus, and Jesus asked him, said, what do you want me to do for you? And let me tell you why Jesus said that. That blind man could have said, could you see if you get me on welfare so I can get food stamps, Jesus? He could have said that. In days' times, he could have said that. Or he could have said, would you get me a cane, a white-tipped cane, Jesus, to help me get along better in the crowd? I'm telling you, see, people don't always want all that God wants for them to have. So that's why Jesus needs to hear out of your mouth, what do you want me to do? And so he could have said, Jesus, could you get me a sin eye dog? They cost more than a cane, but could you get me a sin eye dog, Jesus? There's lots of things that guy could have said, and so Jesus needed to hear him say, Jesus, I want to see. And see, you may need transportation to go to some job, and, you, and Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do for you? And your faith may be, Jesus, can you give me money for that bus that comes through Barstow? That may be where you're at. Or you may say, Jesus, can you get me a good bicycle? I don't have faith for a car. Can you get me a bicycle? Jesus needs to hear you speak your faith. Say, Jesus, will you please get me a good car that runs, that'll pass smog, money for insurance, money for the license, a car that's reliable. And Jesus, by the way, you do notice I live in the desert. Air conditioner would be nice, Jesus. He needs to hear you say it because some people are just going to say, simply say, Jesus, could you just get me bus fare? So what am I saying? I'm not being funny at all. This woman kept saying, if I touch but his garment, I'm going to be healed. She kept saying what she expected to happen. You need to pray exactly what you want to happen. Amen. Amen. Do you just want, to, do you just want money to get a better pair of eyeglasses to magnify stuff so you can see a little bit, or do you want your eyes healed? I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. She kept saying, so you speak your faith. Look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. And you'll notice some of these verses we looked at last week. But how does faith come? By hearing what? Word of God. It says hearing and hearing. Did you notice that? Hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You'll never get enough faith. How many people here, by the way, do on a car? Okay, how many know what a car is? 
How many have ever put gas in your car? Did you drive your car? What happened to the gas? What did you have to do? You got more gas. Would you use your faith? You use your faith up. You have to get more faith. That's why it says faith cometh by hearing. If you're driving your car and you say, well, you know what? I don't like that gas station anymore. I don't like the customer going to that gas station. I don't want to be around that gas station. I'm not going back. And then the next day to get your car, there's just a er, 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 er. It won't start. Don't blame the gas station. It's still there. You just didn't go back. If you got faith at your church and you get mad to go back to your church and you lose your faith, then you get mad at the church and say, well, I didn't want to go back. Well, it's not our fault. <laughs> matter of fact, matter of fact, there's some gas, gas places in town that have cheaper gas than others. But I have to use my faith to go in there because I don't like the way some of the people look and they come to my car and want something. <laughs> but I go back anyway because I like the prices and then I bless people. <laughs> oh, well, praise the Lord. Mark 11, 22. We looked at this last week. Look at it again. Verse 22 and 23. And Jesus answered saith unto them, have faith in Google. No. Have faith in who? God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, and I wrote my Bible, this means me. I'm going to keep on telling you that and telling you that so you'll get it. Your Bible's got to come personal to you. When he said whosoever, that means me because I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Then Jesus is talking to you. Whosoever shall say, I circle say, uh, to this mountain, your mountain's your problem. Or your mountains, whatever it is that's trying to destroy your life, shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. He didn't say, say to the mountain, mountain is getting worse. I'm going to get on, I'm going to get on Facebook today and tell the whole world how bad it is. And then if I get a half a dozen people to say, message me, hon, tell me what's going on. I say, you negative thing, you, I wouldn't talk to you for anything. I'm going to talk to Jesus. Hey man, did you ever stop to realize why all these people Get on there and say that so they get the private message me, Huns. They're not expecting God to do anything. That's what, there's a waller in their mess. Boy, boy, I tell you, Mr. Pastor, I got some stairs on that one. That means we stepped on some toes and you can change that. Look up to heaven and say, Jesus, give me a message from your word. Be thou removed, be thou cast to the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, I circled the saith again. Shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I circled the saith. And so three times there, Jesus said that we need to say more than what we're believing for. We believe, but we're supposed to be doing a whole lot of talking. And so God's people many times don't have a problem with getting faith, especially in a church like this. And so there's a good chance your problem is with your mouth. This woman kept saying, when I get to the preacher, when I get to Jesus... When I touch him, I'm going to receive. When I get there, I'm going to receive. You know what you need to be saying and praying every time before you come to church, especially if you have problems in life? You need to be saying, Father, I believe in the name of Jesus. When I get to church today, you're going to speak to me through the pastor. I believe today that when I'm sitting in that service today, Lord, I believe I receive. Lord, I believe if you need healing, you need to say, Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus. That when I get that healing line, 
that when they lay hands on me, I believe in Jesus' name that when I get there, I'm going to be healed. I believe when I get there, I'm going to receive. I believe when I get there, I'm going to get the answers. That woman, before she ever got to Jesus, kept saying, when I get there, I'm getting it. When I get there, I'm getting it. And so at a church service like we have here, though we're not the only church, lots of churches, but like we have here, we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We teach the Word of God. But see, we can do our part, but for you to receive, you've got to do your part. You've got to begin saying, I'm going to receive, I'm going to receive, I'm going to receive. Amen. That's what the woman says, that she's going to receive when she gets there. And so, if you can't speak in agreement with God's Word, then don't speak at all. Why is that? Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you saith. Now listen to this. Some of you probably never heard this before. You need to learn the language of silence before you can master the language of faith. You need to learn the language of silence before you can master the language of faith. And I know that for me, when I got born again back in January 1980, since I never was around Bible people or faith people, well, I'll tell you what, there wasn't very many conversations I could join into. Because all I knew how to talk was busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. All I knew how to talk was Murphy's Law. If it's going to go wrong, it will. Junior Samples was my cousin. Anybody know who Junior Samples was? Hee Haw, Junior Samples, Stone Mountain, Georgia. I got a son just moved to Georgia. I said, man, you get over to Stone Mountain and find Junior's grave. He was my cousin, but if anybody ever saw Hee Haw back in the 60s and 70s, still have reruns on probably. You ever saw Hee Haw, they sang a song in there, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That's the only language I knew. I didn't know that luck came from the devil. But faith comes from God. And so I had to change my talking, so I learned the language of silence for a long time. When I was around all my family and friends, they thought I was mad at them all the time, because all they talked about was sick, broke, poor, Bad, worse, ugly, dumb, can't work, never work, can't work, won't happen. You know, us, we're on the other side of the track. Well, I had a hard time telling that I moved to this side of the tracks now because I was surrounded by doubt and unbelief, so I couldn't talk. And then finally, after a good season of staying in church several times a week, reading my Bible, reading Kenneth Hagin books, Kenneth Copeland books, those kind of things, all of a sudden, my mind got renewed to where I didn't know their language anymore. And so I could talk my own language. It didn't bother me that would be sitting around a bunch of my family that didn't know how to talk right because they didn't know Jesus yet, nor the Bible, sit around them. they talk about, well, you know, uh, they're sick, they're sick, they're sick, they're sick. How sick's your house? My house is not sick. Why not? It's not going to get sick. The Word of God says, by Jesus Christ, we were healed. Thank you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, of all those kids you got, they're all sick. I know they're sick. I know they're not sick. They're not going to get sick. I learned a different language. The Word of God told me that Jesus redeemed me from the curse. I started talking a different language. But first of all, it was very hard in that whole world of doubt and unbelief to change my language. So I had to learn the language of silence. So all I could say basically if we was having a family dinner down with all my unsaved relations. All I could say basically was this, uh, pass the butter. Uh, Hey, could I have some more iced tea, Mom? I couldn't say anything else. I couldn't join the conversation because I did not want sickness, disease, death, poverty, rebellious kids. I didn't want that stuff. And Jesus said, I have what I say, so I quit saying it. 
Oh, boy. I think we're about out of gas for you. I think that's about all you can handle today. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, you're going to have to learn how to speak the language of faith. And so notice then in verse 27, Mark 5, 27. It says, she heard of Jesus. And then it says, she came in the press behind. She came in the press behind. She had some action and touched his garment. She came in the press behind, touched his garment, then jumped to verse 29. And when she did, straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. As she felt in her body, she was healed of that plague. Now look at James chapter 1, verse 22. We're talking about action, talking about doing. She heard, she said, and then she came and actually did what she said she was going to do. She said, I'm going to touch him, and when I touch him, I'm going to be healed. It says, straightway she was healed. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. That's to overcome your possibility. You've got to put action to what you believe and say. You've got to put action to what you believe and say. And I want you to look back at Mark chapter 5. I want to point out something to you. Uh, meat eaters that want a little more. I was looking at this this morning. Verse 28 says, if I touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And then Jesus, verse 30 said, felt virtue anointing come out of him. Write these two verses down. This is a feed for some of you who want a little more. John chapter 14, verse 12. Everybody needs to know this. Jesus said, the works that I do shall the one who believes on me do also and greater works because I go to the Father. And so Jesus said the things that he did that believers would do also and even greater. And then write down Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and verse 12. Acts 19, verse 11 and verse 12. After, if you're familiar with that passage, it says that Paul had handkerchiefs and aprons that he'd worn on his body. They were taken to the sick, and the sick got healed with those handkerchiefs and apron touched him. What were they made out of? Cloth. What was Jesus' garment made out of? Cloth. What did Paul do? He did even greater than Jesus, because his handkerchiefs and aprons touched more people, and more people got healed. And so that tells you this. The anointing is a very real, tangible substance from God. The anointing is transferable through cloth. Jesus was a man of God. Of course, we know he was the son of God, full of the Holy Spirit. And that anointing through Jesus was so strong, it soaked out into his garment. And that woman said, if I just touch that garment, I'm going to get healed. She did, as Jesus said, anointing went out of me. She got healed. Paul the apostle then had garments he'd worn on him. He was full of the Holy Ghost of God. And so that anointing got into those handkerchiefs and apron. People took those and touched sick people with them, and they got healed. I've heard of so many testimonies of women taking a handkerchief that a man of God had worn, sticking it under her unsaved husband's pillow. Next thing you know, that old booger quit drinking, quit riding around. and said, honey, I want to go to church with you, or vice versa. And so the spiritual principle we see here is this. That anointing will set the attic free. Anointing will heal the sick. 
anointing will deliver people. And so this woman wanted to get to the anointing. And so we as believers have to know that whatever it takes in our lives, we got to find a place to get to where the anointing is. Get to anointed believer. Get to anointed man or woman of God. Somebody that walks with God. And if you can't take them home with you, say, would you lay hands on this and pray over this for me and release the anointing? I want to take this to my family. And, you know, I've heard of people praying over handkerchiefs. Preacher praying over handkerchiefs. And people mail them around the world. And get to somebody somewhere else where they didn't have people that knew how to pray. And getting a handkerchief or an apron to somebody and getting them healed. Amen. And so anyway, I think we're about out of time, so better wind it down. And so the thing is, you need to hear the word. You need to speak the word. And then you need to act on the word. And your faith will make you whole. If you do what this lady did, then you'll overcome any impossibility. Always find a way to release your faith. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.